The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end, Heidi fucking Ho. And welcome back to Chucky Queers. I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And we're talking season one, episode five of Chucky, Little Little Lies, which, Mm -hmm. oh boy, everyone, we've got the return of Tiffany Valentine and Nika Nika. (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure she has a last name i just i know remember. i don't yeah. know her last name i think i think it's pierce i think it's nika yes, pierce, it is pierce yeah okay <laughs> uh yeah i feel like this is the moment that people have been waiting for last week we suggested that it might only show up as some kind of glorified cameo either in the beginning or the end so i was surprised to find out that they've got like kind of a full-on scene it's unrelated yes. of course to everything else but you know it's interesting because i was watching this and i was like okay like if they're coming back like this is when we're leaving the if you've never seen a film in this franchise before, you might want to know something before walking into this episode. Mm-hmm. They do a pretty good job of like catching you up on Curse and Cult of Chucky. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but, which again, by having a hostage in the room, which is just great. And then you know, immediately dispatch. I, of course, I want more of Tiffany and Nika because I love Jennifer Tilly and I love Fiona Dorif. But I think this is a good way to be like, hey, let's just have this one scene yeah. and then we'll bring them back to do more stuff later. Yeah, because presumably, I mean, they're staying at some kind of motel. It definitely gave me Bride of Chucky vibes with, with the that bed. bed. Yes, uh, I would have, I would have loved an overhead mirror just to like really sell it, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the fact that they're in a motel either means that they're on the run because this does take place only two weeks after the event of cults. Yes. So uh, I don't know. Ch- curse. No, no, yeah, no. Oh. You're right. Cult. Cult. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Damn it. It's a problem with having very similar titles for these last no, two films, but uh, yeah. So I guess they're either on the run or we might assume that they're on their way to Hackensack. Yeah. I, well, I mean, again, remember we have technically that in the first scene of the pilot, like that is Tiffany dropping the doll off at the garage sale. So right. I, I wonder if there's on the outskirts of town. I like that they tell us that we are two weeks out because I think it gives more immediacy to whatever Chucky's plan is at the end of cult, because mm-hmm. we don't really know what it is outside of I'm, I'm horcruxing my soul. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting deviation from a traditional possession. Like I wasn't sure if Nika was just going to be gone and we'd have Fiona Dura doing an impression of her yes. father for the rest of the time. So I like that she's still going to get to play traditional Nika, but then still get to do an impersonation of her father because it's quite entertaining. We're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hiding and it's really fun. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. I also do love though that um, she returns to be um, love returns to being a paraplegic when she is back in her own body but then when yeah. Chucky takes over she is not mm-hmm. yeah that was a, a helpful part of the flashback to the film because I was like oh I don't remember 
how that happens. But I do think it's important, especially for people who haven't seen the film, like, oh yeah, okay, this is a disabled character. And unfortunately, I feel like we're at a time and place now where it's kind of wish fulfillment that we could have actually had a disabled actor playing this role. But due to the circumstances of how this all came about, I'm glad that we're at least acknowledging that Nika is a disabled character. Well, yeah, but also, yeah. And the, now that we know that, okay, well, she has to be able to walk at some point. Like, I know that wasn't really a factor when Curse yeah. of Chucky was made, but mm-hmm. at least like they've kind of sort of remedied it by being like, well, we need this character to walk at some point. So like, we can't actually hire a disabled character, uh, a disabled actor. But um, yeah, and you know, I mean, we kind of jumped to the end here because the buildup to this scene are flashbacks to mm-hmm. Chucky meeting Tiffany and Joe. Yes. I, it was so funny. I was, I had watched this episode a few days after watching Venom, let there be carnage and okay. Venom, let there be carnage opens with a flashback scene in which a young, an actor portraying a young Woody Harrelson is dubbed mm-hmm. over by actual Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And it doesn't always work. <laughs> I really hate this. Um, I'm thinking of like Lynn Shea in insidious chapter two. I'm thinking right. of the opening scene of the first wives club. Um, I, it's, it is really bad. I don't like it. And I don't mm-hmm. like it here. Um, no. I don't, I don't like, I don't like uh, Brad Dorf voicing this young Brad Dorf lookalike. Mm-hmm. The only thing that saves this for me is the fact that, you know, so we get the reveal that, you know, he meets a girl that he thinks is Tiffany. Right. They pick up another girl, but oops, it's a switcheroo like the other girl's Tiffany. And mm-hmm. after this girl murders girl number one, she then gets the Tiffany voice as if right. like killing this person. It awakens her inner Tiffany. Yeah, it brings her out. And so, and then she gets, it's not good. Like the dubbing isn't even good. It's pretty bad. Yeah. But that, that moment where I was like, okay, like this is kind of selling in the sense that I'm like, I think the show knows this is bad. (laughs) So it's doing this ridiculous thing with Tiffany's voice. Yeah. When you told me that offline, I thought maybe you were being a little bit generous, but I can also buy it if only because so much of the film series and also the TV show is very self-aware often of what it's doing. So I wouldn't be surprised to learn that that's the truth, but also it it just doesn't really work in the episode. Like I find it so distracting to watch because the, it doesn't match up very well. Mm -mm. And as a result, I was, I was often taken out of a lot of those moments, but I did like the subversion that we think this first girl is going to be Tiffany. And then it's secretly the second one. Cause that made it a bit more exciting to watch. Yeah. I mean, th- there's a couple of subversive reveals. I mean, even with Brie, who we learn is like, a, you know, going through stage four cancer in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's like, what did we say two episodes ago? We were like, Oh, maybe she's in a secret lesbian relationship with like, she Chica. still could like, be, she still <laughs> could be. I'm holding out hope. It's kind of like a, oh, that's not as interesting. That's reveal. not as fun. But, but, but may, yeah, exactly. But, um, but maybe it'll be a thing where it's like, I don't know, it'll give her more agency or something. Cause unfortunately she doesn't really get much to do in this episode outside of like, kind of hold back Devin Sawa a little bit, but mm. yeah. yeah, I, I did also like the reveal. I mean, we knew that Logan, which is the, this version of the twin in, Right. This version of the twin. The other twin, (laughs) Jake's non-father, his uncle, we knew that he was forcing things on Junior. Like he was very much the dad who doesn't understand that his child is trying desperately to not be a track star, doesn't deal well with the pressure and so on. It was interesting to see that 
the two twin brothers are actually more alike than we realize because Logan clearly has a temper that comes yep. out here. And so I do like that we're still getting some of this interpersonal family drama stuff, because as I mentioned, I was afraid that as we start to get into more of the film universe that we were going to lose right. sight of some of the smaller stories in the TV show. So yeah, I'm glad that we're still keeping some stuff percolating with the family. And I think there could be some good emotional beats with Brie having to break this hard reveal like i'll be interested to see if she dies out before the end of the season yeah i was thinking the same thing too because i mean i mean we're not at a point yet i think where we can really start talking about what does season two look like because we don't know we still don't know where this season is going which is exciting although the numbers are good enough that we can hope that sci-fi and usa network are going to bet on this dark horse again and i think word of mouth is positive enough too like i I think so yeah I i think we'll be fine but you know who knows we're we're in a queer horror silo as well where it's like everyone we know is watching it and loving it and it's like okay but how it's are the 10 straight, people that we know how are the straight people doing it yeah um but yeah i mean bringing it back even though to like you know so we have this family dynamic but we have more like development on the lexi devin jake front mm-hmm. which p.s uh, probably one of the best moments of physical comedy is lexi like busting the shit out of new Chucky. I'm sorry, Tommy, which is a good child's play to callback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Lexi does get a lot of fun things to do in here. And I like, again, that we're continuing to develop her character. We're giving her a bit more nuance and a bit more character depth, seeing her having to deal with her mother's emotional and verbal abuse yes. in this episode did a lot, I think, to redeem this character. So I feel like stay tuned every week. I'm going to give you updates on how I'm feeling about Lexi. <laughs> no, I-, I think you're right in saying that though. I mean, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, hey, none of what she did in those first three episodes is excused. No. But it's definitely a case of now where it's like, okay, clearly it's not the fact that she hasn't beef with Jake. It is mm-hmm. I, It is just that he was the easiest target. Yeah. Give it, but also, I think her mom just kind of like a weird heel turn. Like, obviously, it's it's obvious that her mom has not been like the best mom to her. She's not the nicest mom to her. But I feel like she almost dips like too far into like, wow, she is being uncharacteristically nasty to everyone yeah. in this episode. Yeah. These, the last couple of episodes, I would argue, because some of the interactions in the hospital were pretty severe. And then here mm-hmm. when she's like, not just, Oh, I'm going to ground you, which seems reasonable. If you think that Lexi burned down, down the house. house. <laughs> okay, sure. But then the way that she's like, Oh, I want you to stay in a smoke filled room. Like, Oh, I don't think you actually care about your sister. Like these are, these are really hard things to say about your teenage yeah. daughter. And yeah, you're, I, I think I liked it better when she was saying, oh, well, the taxpayers will be fine restoring this classic uh, yeah. vintage house. Cause that definitely seemed like something that she would say. Whereas her being a huge fucking bitch to her own daughter was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. This seems a little out of character. Which we do kind of get a fun, like, oh, payback bitch, but everyone is just calling her out at the stage. <laughs> and booing her. Yeah. Oh, and she is just taking it. I was like, honestly, good for you, lady. <laughs> I mean, she's the mayor. Maybe she deals with this shit a lot. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, I mean, again, we've made it like however long in this minisode, and we have not talked about the biggest development which mm-hmm. is, of course, that we get not only a hand-holding scene between mm-hmm. Jake and Devin, but yep. also a kiss. Um, Multiple kisses. Multi- oh, oh, uh, the way... Okay, I don't know about you. It transported me back to, like, my first kiss, um, okay. where I was... Because they, they do, like, a quick peck. Mm-hmm. And then they look, and they're like, I liked We that. should do then, more. <laughs> yeah! Like, do that again, please. And it, yeah. it was so... 
It was so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. These young actors have really good chemistry. And honestly, just the entire way that this is staged, where we get to see the overhead shots of them bike riding, mm-hmm. it feels freeing and joyful. And I mean, I know we talk a lot about like, what does queer representation look like in the horror community and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is honestly, I think, really, really valuable and important because there's a lot going on in this show. There's a lot of ridiculous stuff. Like we've got characters dumpster diving in medical waste to start this episode. Like it's kind of bananas. Yeah. But then we've got the opportunity. This is like a one minute scene of just young queer kids making a connection. It's beautifully framed over like the sunrise and it's genuinely sweet and romantic. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that and talk about how well this is being handled in this like straightforward horror show that's created for the masses airing on sci-fi. No, you're 100% correct. Like I didn't ever feel, and I mean, again, maybe it's just because I'm queer, but like I never watched this and I was like, oh wow, they're really like, like shoehorning this in here. Mm -hmm. No, it feels natural. It's natural. It's organic. And it feels like something that would actually happen. You know, like it's not, obviously it's spotlighting the kiss because Mm -hmm. it's the height. It's just what the scene is about, but it's not like, it's not highlighting the gayness of the kiss. It just is. And it's Mm -hmm. so, ah, like it, it warmed my heart, especially coming after like the high of, Oh, also the physical comedy of the three of them, like stomping on this bag. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. The kids really get to do some good physicality bits in here. The dumpster diving, Lexi beating up the Tommy doll. And then yeah, them a almost killing a skunk. And then yes, having their go at this poor Chucky doll. I will say it was funny though, in the handholding scene, cause we get that kind of effect where like they're standing there, but everyone else is like walking by them really fast. I love that. I do love that. I do too. But my husband turns to me and goes, wow, they're really standing there for a long time. <laughs> I think it's more representative no. of like, uh, look at how long this moment feels like it's lasting, right? Yeah, it, yeah. that is 100% what it is. It was just one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> literally. They've just been there all day. They missed all their classes, but they had a great handful. And no one scene. stopped to be like, no are you one. okay? <laughs> do you need to eat? Do you need to go to the bathroom or anything? Okay, so I do want to say one interesting piece, uh, just because I'm thinking about my article series. And I I watched this and initially was like, well, fuck, I've got nothing to write about because there's nothing super queer that's happening here. And then I realized what's interesting to me is the contrast between the sweetness and the naturalness of what's happening between the two boys. And then the more traditional kind of queer horror lens that we often see, which is like, oh, it's a menage a trois that goes wrong. Or it's like Mm. lesbian sex that turns murderous. So it was interesting to get a kind of, oh, this is what we've come to expect from queers in horror. Like it's going to end in bloodshed. It's going to be messy. It's going to be lies and secrets and this kind of stuff. But also it can be cute and coming of age and sweet. Well, I do. I mean, and, you know, we're probably not the best ones to to go on this journey. But I mean, like, I, I imagine with the return of Nika, and mm-hmm. potentially the return of Glenn at some point, Glenn Glenda, there's many a trans readings to be yeah. made with, with this with this show. Yeah, I was interested to see how this possession piece of the story mm-hmm. is going to play out, because I do think, yeah, the opportunity to read into that trans experience. You know, we saw this percolating a little bit when Freaky came out a couple of years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see if we're going to address that or if it's just going to be like, 
oh, actually, no, we'd rather not touch it. Yeah. But I do love your comparison, though, between like the the chaste adorableness of our young teens romance, the queer mm-hmm. romance, and then the not the case with what's going on with Tiffany and, and Chucky Nika. Yeah. I will say that in terms of callbacks, I mean, you know, we get the I'm Tommy, which is from Child's Play 2. I thought the Swedish meatballs line was a little like out of place. I was some, some of the dialogue that Tilly had to work with. I was kind of like, OK, like this very much seems like for the fans Mm -hmm. oh yeah it was very much like hey do you remember the rv scene from bride of chucky we're gonna redo it just to give you that sweet spot yeah and i think love having tilly back i'm excited this is here but yeah it felt very much like this this feels more like a novelty than Mm -hmm. it does like really relevant too much outside of what you know nika does to the plot which hopefully this gets remedied in the coming weeks as we get more of tilly and she become and tiffany becomes more of a player because that's the other thing too Tiffany hasn't been a major player in this franchise since Seed of Chucky. Like This is true. She was in the post credit scene of Curse, which is a big surprise. And she was in Cult a little bit, but it's still kind of a glorified cameo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am interested to see, are these returning film players going to be significant parts of the story? And my gut says yes. Like mm-hmm. every episode, I think, is going to start to push it further so that these two worlds start to collide, like TV and film meshing together. Yes. But again, it's like... I hope it happens organically because, yeah, right now it's feeling a little bit awkward. Well, we're halfway done with the season, so we still have five episodes left. Yeah. Um, my, my hope, and I don't think we're going to have this, but I just hope that it's not a the finale will be where these worlds collide and then mm. set up the future season where it's going to be like, cool, now that you're all caught up, now we can do this thing. Yeah. I hope that's not the case. I don't think it's going to be the case, but... Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I think if that had been the case, we wouldn't have gotten this until later, like maybe episode seven or eight. This is just me predicting because, of course, we don't write television. We don't know how they break it down individual episodes and season long (laughs) arcs. But yeah, I wouldn't love that if only because it's always such a big risk when you hinge everything on getting a second season because a lot of shows don't. Yes. No, I, I, I agree. And I mean, not, we'll wrap up, but I mean, like, I do think as a whole, like this, so much of when you're rebooting something or when you're doing, or when you're adapting like a big, I don't know, comic book or whatever, it's always, like, oh, we're going to make the first one, the origin story. It's going to be set up before we get to the good stuff for the sequel. And it's like, no, no, right. no, no, don't do that. No, no. Give us a natural story. Hook us with that. And I think this show, for the most part so far, has done a very good job of yeah. doing, like, of having its cake and eating it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Or having its Swedish meatballs and eating them too. And eating them too. (laughs) Okay, I mean, well, any predictions for next week? I'm hopeful that we'll get a better sense of where Tiffany and Nika are going, either geographically or narratively. But, uh, uh, I mean, we've got a beheaded principal in front of literally the entire town. So I'm curious to see how Devin's mom is going to handle this because she was on the back burner here. But I do think like, are we still going to be able to blame Jake and the doll for this? I hope that this puts him out of it because he's not anywhere near there, but Mm -hmm. maybe it'll double down and she'll be like, no, Jake did this. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a character that needs like some kind of something juicy to ground her. I think we're going to have Devin standing up to his mom more now that he and Jake have, quote unquote, consummated their relationship. Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) in a kiss, not not in a sexy way. (laughs) And this is how we get in trouble. That's that's it. Uh, Okay, well, listeners, let us know what you think is going to happen next week and let us know what you thought of Little Little Lies. But, well, I'm going to double quote myself, but until Mm -hmm, next week, mm -hmm. we can cross out Little Little Lies. (laughs) 
<laughs> one of these days we're gonna get it yep and, and <laughs> with that we could cross out chucky queers Bye.